Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ray Edwards, and we're going to explore how to write copy that sells in a post-pandemic world. By the way, I am at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Ray Edwards. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I am very excited to be joined by my good friend, Ray Edwards, who's also one of the world's leading copywriters and author of the book, How to Write Copy That Sells, along with another book called Permission to Prosper. He's the host of the Ray Edwards Show, and he's been a regular on this show. I don't know how many times you've been on. This has got to be at least the third or fourth, but welcome back to the show, Ray. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm so honored to be here, and I'm feeling great and excited about this conversation. I am as well. So what we're going to talk about is how to write copy, how to write persuasive words that sell in a post-pandemic world. And this is kind of a fascinating discussion that I'm really looking forward to. Before we go there, last time you were on the show was 2019, pre-COVID. What's changed for you, Ray, in the last few years since it is the middle of 2022 as we're recording this right now? Oh, nothing much. Just everything. Of course. It's been an interesting time for all of us. We have had to retool the way we were running our business. My business was, as you know, was really dependent on doing lots of live in-person events all over the place. And then suddenly we weren't doing that anymore. It's the same story everybody's got. 
And we had to pivot and, and adjust to that, which we did. It's been very valuable to learn how much we can get done without leaving home and to learn how much we can get done remotely, how much more effectively, how efficiently. I'm excited to be getting back out into the world right now, but that's been a big change for us as a business. And then the other big change, which I think is more germane to what we're talking about today, is the change in what some people would call the zeitgeist, the spirit of the day. Because the whole world, for the first time ever in our history, the entire world went through the same traumatic event, which was the pandemic, at the same time. We were aware of it. We had this instantaneous communication to be able to experience it from the eyes of different people. And I don't think we'll know the full effects of that for many years to come, but I do know it's a different world we're operating in today. I agree. There was a shared, common struggle that perhaps only existed in maybe international wars, perhaps maybe the closest thing would have been like a world war kind of a situation where everybody was, was very uncertain. It was a fascinating couple of years. And as we're recording this in June of 2022, we're still dealing with the pandemic. We're still dealing with Shanghai, I think recently coming out of another lockdown. And we're still dealing with the effects of people getting sick I recently got over a very light bout of COVID, my very first one. You know, if you think back over the last few years, it's been really hard for a lot of people to adjust to a world where everything has changed. And you call this zeitgeist change. You know, if you think about the fact that we couldn't get the most basic utilities, the most basic supplies. Even today, there's shortage of baby food in the United States, right? Things that you take for granted. We think about the way we used to get business, right? So many of us, especially you and me, were in the physical event business, right? And people would come and we'd go to events and some of us would speak and we would pick up clients at these events. And that was shut down for nearly two years. So many of the ways traditionally people go about operating a business changed. I mean, frankly, everything changed. And I wonder, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm just curious what your thoughts are. How do you view change? I think it's a good thing. I think something that happened is the thing that was bound to happen eventually. And the pandemic served to accelerate it by 10 or 15 years. So it's like we've gone 10 or 15 years into the future in just a couple of years. And um, admittedly, there were many bad things that happened. And I don't want to diminish anyone's pain or suffering because I know there was lots of it. But ultimately, the things that I think we can walk away from the experience with are things like the fact that so many more people now are happier and more satisfied in their work because they're working from a location they choose to be in instead of having to go show up in an office five days a week. Some people want to do that. They can, they're still able to do it. So that's great. It's facilitated online commerce and communication and so many other things that are good. And it's also made us, some will probably disagree with me here, but I think it's made us more empathetic toward other people. We've seen lots of online conflict, but I think those are the voices that are the loudest, maybe not the most numerous. And the rest of us, I think, have watched that, participated in it, maybe to some extent, but realized, gosh, I just need to be more considerate of other people. And I think that's a good thing. You also have this newer book, I believe, Permission to Prosper is the newest book, or is there yet another one? That's the newest, right? Or no? That's the newest one out. We've got one that will be released in the near future. It was 
about what just happened, we actually began working on the book before the pandemic started. And I thought it was a book about what we experience determines what we believe and what we believe determines what we're capable of doing. And I quickly began to realize that what the book was really about was about how communication, persuasion changes our beliefs about life and how that can be either useful or not useful. And somebody told me, Jeff Goins told me that any book you write that is going to be useful is going to test you. You'll be tested on the book before you finish it. So I was writing this book about how to persuade yourself to believe things that would help make you more successful in life and in business and how I got faced with a challenge called Parkinson's disease 11 years ago. And I actually took the skills I had learned of persuasion in copywriting and marketing. And I wrote a sales letter to myself because I needed to change a lot of not only my beliefs, but my behaviors around diet, exercise, thinking, attitudes. I was not going to suffer the normal course of someone with Parkinson's and just fold up and shrink back and make my life smaller and smaller and just withdraw. I intended to keep on living. So I wrote myself a sales letter with the headline and the headline was read this or die. Wow. So that's a headline I borrowed from a friend of mine who died a few years ago before pandemic. It had nothing to do with the pandemic, but he's passed away. And that was a headline that he made popular. His name was Jim Rutz. So I just want to honor his work in creating that high bar of a headline. It was very successful at, its, at the time it was used to promote a health-based newsletter. But So I wrote this letter to myself called Read This or Die. And then I had to be tested on, did this, does this really work when the chips are really down? Because I got faced with the pandemic, with the business downturn. I had a major surgery. I was in a lot of pain. I was unable to work. And I had a real choice of just giving up and maybe just dying. That was a real possibility. Or getting up off the ground and gutting it out and getting back to work. So that headline actually was not the original title of the book, but it is now the title of the book. Oh, so the title of the book is Read This or Die. Yes. Wow. And when is it coming out? It looks like spring of 2023. Okay, excellent. So first of all, thank you for, you know, I can't wait to hear the book. I'm sure you're going to do an audio version of it, but I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what the content of that book is all going to be about and, and how it's going to change lives. Bringing it back to copy and persuasion and marketing. Is there something about this post-pandemic world that marketers need to keep in mind when they're writing copy? Because so many of us, once we learn a model or a script or a methodology, we just don't ever alter from it. Do we need to reconsider the way we, we write copy in light of the world and what's going on right now? I 100% believe we do need to reconsider. You know, most of us were taught the old advertising acronym AIDA, ADA, attention, interest, desire, action. And for most copywriters and marketers, we have been taught to focus on the fear of loss, the fear of missing out, and making people worry, inflaming, putting more fuel on the fire of worry and fear in order to sell things, to get people's attention. I even have a framework that I developed called the pastor framework. And the intention of developing that versus ADA, A-I-D-A, is that pastor is a word. It's not about being a preacher, by the way. It's not about religion. It's about being a shepherd, which is the original meaning of the word pastor. 
And the idea was to approach writing copy as if you're shepherding someone to a good decision that is to their benefit. And I believe if, if you think about what a shepherd does, cares for the flock, protects them, keeps the predators away, makes sure they have food and water. And we know the story culturally, the, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. If we approach writing copy and the sales and marketing process from that point of view, then we're never going to be pushy or manipulative or using fear-based tactics to sell things. We're going to be thinking about the flock. So I think I want to make sure I understand what you're saying, because we're going to get into this pastor thing in just a minute. But what I'm hearing you say is so many of us have been taught to focus in on, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out. And frankly, I find myself doing this in a lot of the copy that I write, which is like, hey, don't let the competition pass you by or these kinds of things that are very much like, like, like focusing on really some of the primal fears that people have. Why is it that we maybe ought not focus on some of these fears? I mean, I would imagine it still does work. Oh, it definitely does still work. A colleague of mine calls one of his favorite models for writing copy, he calls it the us versus them model. Now you can immediately see, I think, most of us have had enough of the us versus them discussion because it's led to all kinds of violence and hurt and pain and heartache and division and just general mayhem. And I think we've had enough of that. So I think that's, if for no other reason than the health, wealth, and welfare of the planet, we should try to move away from us versus them thinking. Yeah. And it's fascinating because I've heard over the years, like um, if you create an adversary, right. And um, then all of a sudden you can get people riled up to want to go against that adversary. And obviously Hitler did this with great success. And we know that story didn't end very well. You think about propaganda from some of the old wars and stuff like that, where people would try to vilify others by calling them names or referring to them as less than human kind of stuff. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that actually can get people really riled up. And that's not what we want to do today, right? Now, I think what I'm hearing you say is we live in a world where everyone is more aware of all aspects of this world because we've all gone through a common struggle. And as a result of going through a common struggle, maybe we need to take a different approach, maybe a higher level approach in our copy. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, I absolutely believe that's correct. There's a very famous teaching that was written by a, an author named Blair Warner who wrote what's called the One Sentence Persuasion Course. And the one sentence is, people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, that sounds good so far, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. And that's, I think that's true. I think that sentence is true. But you just named some of the atrocities that have been committed by using that sentence. We have these powerful tools of persuasion at our disposal as marketers and copywriters, and we need to be really careful, especially today, about how we're using them. I love it. So why don't we talk about what you believe is the best method in a post-pandemic world to write copy? You might have hinted at it. I don't know if I pastor is it or if it's something else, but what is, let's talk through it. What's a method that you feel like we could use that isn't going to just pray P-R-E-Y on the fears of others? What is that methodology? Perfect. Well, it is 
I believe, the pastor framework. And we're so we're coming from the heart of a shepherd, caring for the flock. And you'll notice we're going to use many of the same principles, but we're using them in a very different way. So the letters of the word pastor, I'm going to give you a quick framework that in about five minutes, you can take this away and use it to write any piece of persuasive copy you need to write, whether it's an email or a blog post or a tweet or a podcast outline or the outline for an interview like the one we're doing right now. So here's how it goes. Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, stands for, the P stands for person, problem, and pain. So you take a moment to step back and reflect on who is the person that I'm writing to, and I believe you should have one person in mind who's representative of perhaps the many people you will be speaking to in this post or email. You think of the problem you help them solve, either in the email or in the product or service or whatever you're selling to them or trying to persuade them of. And then you think, this is the most important part, about the pain of the problem as they are experiencing it. So the pain is, you need to think about the pain the person is feeling about the problem and how you can help them remove that pain. So this is important because we need to think about the pain as they're experiencing, experiencing it, not as we think they should or we think they might. Just a quick, for instance, to illustrate that, if you were selling a fitness program, if you're a fitness trainer, for instance, and you're helping people get healthier, you might want to think they focus on the pain is they need to fix their cardiovascular system, they need to fix their heart health, their, their lung capacity, make sure they don't have diabetes or some metabolic disorder. But the pain the customer is feeling is they don't like the way they look when they take their shirt off or when they go to the pool and wear a bathing suit. They want to look better. That's the pain as they're experiencing it. So we want to write to them about the problem and the pain as they feel it. It doesn't mean we don't ignore what the true problem is. We just need to talk to people in the language that they understand. So help me delineate problem and pain because they kind of sound similar. I would imagine if I was selling some sort of a helping people get ready for summertime vacation or whatever. And one of the pains is I don't like how I look without a shirt on, but couldn't that also be the problem? So help delineate the difference between these two, just so people can wrap their head around that. It's a great question. Think of the problem as the feature that you're going to use to help them solve a difficulty. So for instance, for many people making arrangements for a trip involving the whole family might be a, a lot of hassle and they might not want to handle all the details. So they might just want to go rent an Airbnb, for instance, instead of arrange for different hotels and bring everybody under one roof. So that's the, the problem is how do I get everybody in one place so we can celebrate and have fun together on our vacation? The pain that you're helping them relieve is all the phone calls and reservations they'd have to follow up on and making sure everybody gets the right information and coordinating all of that, and making sure there's an availability at the hotel, and that all the facilities are available. So that's the pain that they're feeling, and you're helping them solve that by taking all that away and giving them one stop to go get the problem solved. Okay, I love this, and I want to keep diving a little deeper on this problem pain stuff. So how do I identify the right problems and or pains? You know, because we can guess what they are, 
and you and I are copywriters. You're more focused on it these days than I am. And we could probably come up with some really educated guesses on what we believe the problem and the pains are, but do you have a surefire way of kind of getting to the core of it? That's the first part. Yes. And most people won't be a huge fan of this, but you got to talk to your customers and get to know them. The best, the very best way to do this is to actually have conversations with customers. So that could involve, if you have customers already, people who've bought from you in the past, just call them or get them on a Zoom call and let them know you want to ask them some questions about their experience. I like that. So I know we're still on the P, which is the person, the problem, and the pain. In light of what we talked about earlier about being careful about not triggering too much of the quote unquote problem, if you will, how do we draw that line between what we said earlier, which is we don't want to necessarily overly focus on the problem. There seems to have been some distinction in the way that you, you worded this that might be worth repeating. You know, we've been talking about how we're in this post-pandemic world and we have to be careful about not triggering emotions too much, right? So in light of that, how do we focus on the right pains and, and problems, if you will, without maybe going too far over the edge? Well, of course, we're never totally in control of someone else's experience, but I think we can all be sensitive to certain words or topics or ideas that we might have brought up without even giving it a second thought before 2020. But now that we're past the pandemic, there are things we might not talk about at all or might not talk about in the same way as we did in the past. So I would just avoid making references to anything that once you hear the words coming out of your mouth, you might think, oh, in light of the current situation in the world, I wish I had not brought that particular topic up. Yeah, I guess you want to be careful of things that might trigger other people, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the word, triggers. It's interesting. One of the best books about copywriting is about emotional triggers. And I don't think it's selling very well right now because people don't understand what it's about because triggers has taken on a whole new meaning now. And we just want to be careful and respectful we can't be perfect at this because we never know what's going to trigger somebody else. But there are certain keywords and, and topics that we know to stay away from. And when we're talking about the problem and the pain, there does come a point where we're going to want to turn up the volume on the pain a little to give people a taste of the cost of not taking action to solve the problem. And that's the A of pastor, which is amplify. And there's a way to do this without fanning the flame so much that we cause a raging fire we can't put out. That's not what we want to do. Okay, tell me. Tell me, what do we do? We first want to show them the answer to the question, why not just keep doing what you're doing? Well, the reason to not keep doing the way, things the way you're doing them is it may lead to this really bad outcome that you don't want to experience. And you also have a bigger vision in mind for yourself, or for your company, for your business, for your family. We begin painting the picture of their aspirations just after turning up the volume a little on the consequences of not solving the problem. So we move from the things that make them afraid that worry them. I think we need to acknowledge those things because that is still part of the human experience. Then we quickly move and transition to what their aspiration is, where they want to go, what they want their world to look and feel like when they have solved the problem and removed the pain. So is amplify and aspiration part of the A? Yes. So this is interesting. So what I'm hearing you say is, and maybe you could give an example, any kind of example, but you know, like, and if you want, we'll just throw out there my newest conference coming up, which is the crypto business conference. And let's just say that the people that are attending are entrepreneurs. 
marketers and creators. And let's say the problem is that NFTs and Web3 is confusing. They don't understand it. And the pain is that they want to be part of it, but they don't want to make a mistake and make a fool out of themselves. That's kind of just me free flowing with you a little bit. How can we amplify that and aspire that given the fact that NFTs are potentially the future and Web3 and all that kind of fun stuff? Uh, Let's just roll with it. I love this example because it speaks to something I was listening to earlier today. I was listening to some very well-known authorities in the area of tech and business, and they were on a show together making fun of and deriding the world of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and NFTs. And it just struck me how out of touch they sounded and how off target they were. And in the past, I would have wanted to pick a fight with them. But now I think what I want to communicate to people is, then this is an example of how I would approach the challenge you just laid forth. I might say something like, of all the things in the world right now, maybe the thing you may be most confused about is cryptocurrency, NFTs, Web3. What does it all mean? Is it, as some people say, is it a big scam? Or is this really the future of currency, of money, of business? Well, the answer is more the latter. It's the future. And the challenge is to understand it. We've got a way to make it really simple to understand. And we don't recommend that you be reckless or that you invest in anything you don't understand. We recommend you become educated in what's happening in this new world of finance, which is going to change the way we do business going forward. You don't want to be left behind. You want to be part of that bright new future. And this is one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. And if we wanted to go a little more aspirational, we could also say, what if there was a place you could go where there's people that would guide you and explain it to you in any human terms, not in technical financial gobbledygook. You know what I mean? Yes. And people you can trust. Yeah. People you can trust to kind of help you understand what the rest of the world is ignoring, which will eventually become mainstream. And, you know, if there was a place you could go, what would that look like? How would that help you? Dot, 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 dot. Is that kind of... That's exactly it. I mean, it's, it's like that old saying, every new and revolutionary idea is first mocked and then later accepted as the truth. That's obvious to everyone. It's fascinating because you could always throw out some quotes from people before the invention of the internet saying it would amount to absolutely nothing right? You know, there's so many of these quotes, like I mentioned some of them in the very first episode of my crypto business podcast about people that were naysayers of the internet and said it was absolutely not a threat and it was going to go out of business in a couple of years. (laughs) So, whoops. yep. So, okay. So we've got P, which is person, problem, and pain. We've got A, which is amplifying specifically the challenge if you don't act, right? If you choose to ignore this outcome, this is one of the possible negative ramifications, but then also to provide some aspiration as to, however, if you do pay attention, this is where this could take you and it could be something very valuable. Have I got the PNA down so far? You do. What's next? Next is the S, which is mainly the S stands for story. Underneath story, we have struggle, solution, and system. And that simply means that the best kind of copy you can write is to tell the story of your own struggle in this area. Okay. If possible. If not, then tell someone else the story who did struggle with it. Then show the solution that you or this other person found, and then demonstrate that you have a system that allows other people 
in other words, me, the reader, to solve the same problem and relieve the same pain using that same system that works every time it's applied. It's like a recipe. Okay, so this is interesting because when you start to step back and you think about the different kinds of businesses that might be listening, you've got some individuals who are consultants and coaches and agency owners and copywriters and dot, 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 you know, specialty creatives, creatives like yourself who can tell stories for sure about your struggle, your personal struggle, how you overcame it and how you came up with your own methodology slash system. But when you start to expand into some of the other kinds of businesses that might be listening and you know, the world of business is quite broad, right? You could be dealing with the local car repair person. You could be dealing with a entity that doesn't have an individual who is quote unquote, the thought leader of that particular entity. I mean, there's so many different kinds of businesses, right? You got this seems to work really well for people that are selling info services, but what about people that are selling widgets or gadgets or devices? Does this story thing still work? Do the components of it still work? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this. Well, absolutely. Yes, I believe. And I know I have experience to point to clients in almost every industry you can think of from, we have one client who sells custom aftermarket bumpers and license plate frames and mirrors for automobiles and does quite well using these same kinds of approaches, as well as people who are professionals, attorneys, uh, physicians, chiropractic clinics. Here's an example you won't be surprised to hear me bring up, coffee shops. That's about as far removed as info products as you could get. Yet being able to tell the story of, so you might say, well, what's the story of a struggle about a coffee shop? Well, for someone who loves coffee, and, and wants to experience good coffee, let's say you have a craft coffee shop, which is a rung above, it's like a custom boutique coffee shop for people who appreciate the art of coffee. For the record, we should explain that you actually own such shop, right? You may as well just say the name of the place, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. It's Revel 77 in Spokane, Washington. Okay. So in our communication through social media and through our email newsletter, we talk about the struggle to find coffee that tastes good, that isn't overextracted, that isn't burned, that doesn't have all the flavors destroyed by the cooking process, and how to brew that coffee and present it in a way that we can systematically produce a really great aficionado coffee experience for the person who really loves good coffee. I love this. And the more I think about this, the more I think about even the events that I put on at Social Media Examiner, one of the struggles going to events is that the content sucks. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's all panels. You may as well have just listened to a podcast, right? And you paid a lot of money to travel to an event and you're sitting down to a podcast interview on a live stage. That is a legit struggle that happens at events all the time, right? So the solution is to try not to have you know, our events generally do not have panels, right? They have solo presenters who have practiced their craft and are there with an intent and with a purpose. Anybody can be on a panel and speak for 10 minutes. Not anybody can get up and hold the stage for 45 minutes. That's an example. Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. And anybody who's been to one of those terrible events that is nothing but panel after panel after panel, they immediately feel the pain. And they're like, this is a different kind of event with really helpful content organized by people who know what they're doing. I want to be there. So that's a perfect example. I love this. So the struggle doesn't need to be a personal struggle that Michael Stelzner or Ray Edwards has faced. 
It could just be a common struggle that happens in the industry in which you operate and how your company has tackled this particular thing. But you don't have to say that your company tackled it. You can just say, wouldn't it be great if you could go to a place where you could have that pristine, high quality coffee. And I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there, right? I mean, you don't have to call out the name of your company. You just have to kind of present an alternative. Is that right? Yes. Yes. By the way, one of the most powerful words in the English language is the word imagine, because I can say imagine. And whatever I say after that word, you're going to imagine, whether you want to or not. Imagine a blue furry elephant. (laughs) (laughs) It's right there. I see it. So When you think about the power of words to evoke responses in human beings, it's really utterly amazing. So the T in pastor stands for transformation and testimony. So transformation is what happens to you as a result. So in in the case of your conference, for instance, this would be, what is the difference between going to the conferences full of panel discussions versus a conference that's got carefully crafted hand-selected experts sharing their best ideas with you in an organized fashion. What difference does that make in your life? Then you can show the transformation that that makes. Do you ask them the question and not say it, or do you throw out examples of how it might transform your life by giving you what you were hoping to receive and not wasting your time and travel? I like to do both. I like to ask and then go ahead and answer because most people are looking for, when you ask a question like that, they will stop and think about it for a moment. And then they're wondering, well, do you have an example? I mean, you did it just a couple of minutes ago. You said, give me an example. So give them examples that suit the case you're trying to make for your product service event or whatever it is. So when we're talking about transformation, what should we be thinking about? Like, give me a little bit more because the word transformation is a fascinating word. I think a lot of people conceptually understand what the word means, which is to change your state. But when we're thinking about transformation, what kind of tips do you have for coming up with transformative language, if you will. Perfect. The thing that people want the most is they want to see the before and after. This is why in things like cosmetic surgery or dental implants or physical training and weight loss, people want to see the before and after pictures because they want to see, is there, can you show me a guy who looks like me now and then show me what I can look like in 90 days? That's powerful. So in the case of something like A conference, for instance, just to continue with that example, the transformation could be before you attend social media marketing world, you may have a confused, perhaps even mistaken idea about what makes for effective marketing on social media. After you'll have an organized set of ideas and principles that are proven by research in the field to work in every industry that you can start using immediately to increase business for your company, to help your boss decided it'd be a good idea to retain you and give you a raise and achieve all those other outcomes that are important to the people who attend your conferences. So that's showing them a transformation of before and after. Love it. You also mentioned testimony. Do you want to mention a little bit about what that means? So my question, when you show me a before and after photo is, is that real? Can you show me real people? Are these just models? Are these even the same person? So it's really useful to have people who are so excited about the results they've gotten from your product or service that they're willing to go on video and tell the story. You know, before I used this product, I suffered from this problem and this terrible pain in my life. I worked with this company, used their product, and the problem was solved. And now I'm totally happy in that area and everything's going great. So that's 
obviously that's a little vague, but you get the idea. It's a real person. And if you're going to do this, by the way, don't hire actors. Don't try to make the testimonial videos perfect because the more slick they look, the more fake people suspect they are. It's good to get just real people giving their real thoughts about your product, your service, your conference, whatever you happen to be offering for sale. And I would imagine whether you get them in audio, video, or the written form, they can be used in any kind of capacity, right? You can transcribe those things and use those in your email and everywhere else, right? Absolutely. I think video is the, the best form for you because you can then make all the uses of it. You can strip out the audio, have it transcribed, as you said. But in whatever form you get them, you can use them in other formats as well. Okay, so we've got P, which is person, problem, and pain. We've got A, amplify, and aspiration. We've got S, which is story, which includes struggle, solution, and system. We've got T, which is transformation and testimony. How about the O? The O is the offer. This is where you're going to tell them what you have for sale, where you say, well, you know what the problem is and the solution. Now you can see it. You can see that it works for other people. So here's how you get it. Here's what we have for you. We have tickets to this conference. We have this coffee we'd like to serve you. We have this service we'd like to perform for you to help you build a stronger financial position for your future, for your retirement. And this is how much it costs. This is what you get. And this is how it's going to be delivered to you. So it's really just what you have for sale, how it helps them, and how they can go about getting it. And the one important thing about the offer is many times people are tempted to just make a list of the deliverables. Like you get 10 sessions with a therapist or a trainer, you get a manual, you get a nutrition chart, you get some nutritional supplements to take. Those are all the stuff that you can send in the box. Don't forget to talk about in the offer itself, the transformation process, because that's what they're really buying. Is this code word for benefits? Is that what we're really talking about? You know, because the word benefits versus features that came to mind when you started talking about the features, you know, and I, in my mind, I'm like, what's the benefits? Yeah. So you're, you're really, I, I like the acronym FAB. You're talking about the features, which is the stuff you're going to send them in the box or in the mail, or they're, they're going to experience when they come to your facility. The A is the advantages. So because we send you the notes to the conference in a pre-printed manual, for instance, and you just fill in the blanks, this makes it very easy for you to take what you learn and put it to work. And the benefit is you'll be able to walk out the door and start using it immediately instead of having to figure out how to use it after the conference is over. So feature, advantage, benefit. Okay, R, the last letter. What does the R stand for? This is the place where most people blow the sale in real life and online. They get really shy about asking for a decision. And R stands for request a response. This is where you just need to, with as much confidence as you've had from the beginning of your presentation or from the beginning of your email or whatever document you've written, with just that same level of confidence, just simply say, so if you have this problem, you feel this pain, you want to relieve it, the thing to do now is to purchase by clicking below, filling in your information, double-checking it, and then click the green button, and here's what will happen next. I'm a big believer in showing them what the next step of the experience will look like because that's what people wonder. They wonder, is there going to be, am I going to get caught in the chain of torturous upsells? Am I going to get to go right to my product? What's going to happen next? Show them that. Show them they're going to be happy with their decision and then let them respond. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. Request a response is also known as call to action, right? In the world of marketing, right? And basically you're just summarizing, hey, if, if this is your struggle 
and you want to overcome it, then click the button below, complete the application process or whatever it is, right? Then what will happen is you will begin to get a series of emails in your inbox, presumably. And when you begin following the methodology, you will begin to move closer towards your aspiration, dot, 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 something along those lines, right? Yes. I do like to keep the description of what's going to happen next pretty simple. And I want to emphasize when you're requesting the response, you want to be very directive because people are not always clear on what they need to do next. So that's why we use simple language like fill in your name and credit card information and double check all that to make sure it's correct. And then click the buy now button. And then after you do that, you'll see this screen. I'll often put a video on the sales page that shows the next screen they're going to see. And if it's a login screen, I'll show the person on the video, log into the members area, if there's an online members area, and you can see your purchase. So you're helping them visualize the outcome they're about to get. And you don't have to get much more detail than that. If there's a process, like there, there's a workshop they're waiting for, then yes, I would tell them we have a series of emails that have exercises you can be doing leading up to the workshop, and then we'll get right into it on this date in the future. And you show them what that'll look like very quickly. And then you allow them to go ahead and act on this and make that decision. We started out this interview talking about this post-pandemic world that we're in right now. How do we know that we have hit the right buttons, quote unquote, and not the wrong buttons? Is there some sort of, especially for those of us that are writing our own copy, is there some sort of process or methodology or people that you suggest we get employed or involved? Talk to me about that. Yes. I mean, you definitely want feedback on your copy. And of course, we all know we want a, a, like a, a proofreader and a line editor, people who can go through and find mistakes, mistakes in grammar and spelling and errors of fact and so forth. But beyond that, I think you want to be sure and get something that we call a cub critique, C-U-B critique. This is an idea that was invented by or identified by Mike Palmer and Michael Masterson. They wrote a book called Copy Logic. I would recommend, it's a very short book, I recommend getting it. It's a way of critiquing your copy and looking for these weaknesses without being critical of the writer. That's one of the things writers have a problem with. They don't like being criticized. I don't know if you've experienced that or not. I personally know some writers who are far more sensitive than others. So what does CUB stand for? Do you know what it is? Yeah, absolutely, yes, because we use it. You go recruit three or four other individuals who are not involved in writing the copy. They don't have to be copywriters. It's probably better if they're not, but they can be. And you tell them, I want you to read this copy and mark it up, but not for grammar or spelling or for, I think I'd write this differently or I don't like that story. We don't want any of that. We want you to identify anything you find first confusing. So if you find it confusing, just circle it and put a C by it. If you find it unbelievable, so you read a sentence or a paragraph and your response is, oh, come on, that can't be true. Circle it and write unbelievable. Or if you find it boring, circle it and put a B by it for boring. I love this. And that is a cub critique, and it will strengthen your copy immeasurably because those are three of the biggest problems with copy. It's confusing, it's unbelievable, makes unsubstantiated claims, and it's boring. Well, this has not been confusing. It has been believable, and it's been anything but boring, Mr. Ray Edwards. So what I would love to know is where can people discover more about you? If you've got a website you want to send them to, mention that. And if you have a favorite social platform that you would like them to reach out to you on, if they're interested, just where would you want to send everybody? Just go to rayedwards.com. That's the best place to go. We have lots of free resources there available to you that'll help you. If you found any of this helpful, I think you'll love what you find at that site. And then on social, 
my favorite platform these days is it's a tie between TikTok and Instagram. I'm just Ray Edwards at either one of those platforms. Got it. You're one of the lucky ones that got your name. You don't have any special underscores or anything along those lines. Ray, thank you so much for coming on and answering all my questions. And I know so many people listening right now are going to go and put this to good use. And I encourage everyone to please reach out to Ray and let him know if you found this valuable. Thank you again, my friend, for coming on today. My pleasure. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 517. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.